palabra del Señor vino a Jonás hijo de Amite anda ve a la gran ciudad de Nínive y proclama contra ella que su maldad ha llegado hasta mi presencia Jonás se fue pero en dirección a Tarsis para oír del Señor bajó a Jope donde encontró un barco que zarpaba rumbo a Tarsis pagó su pasaje barco con las con los que, que iban a esa ciudad huyendo así del Señor pero el Señor lanzó sobre el mar un fuerte viento y se desencadenó una tormenta tan violenta que el barco amenazaba con hacerse pedazos los marineros aterrados y a fin de aliviar la situación Comenzaron a clamar cada uno a su Dios y a lanzar al mar lo que había en el barco. Jonás, en cambio, había bajado, bajado al fondo de la nave para acostarse y dormía profundamente. El capitán del barco se le acercó y le dijo, ¿Cómo puedes estar durmiendo? ¡Levántate! ¡Clama a tu Dios! Quizás se fijo en, en, en nosotros y no perezcamos. Los marineros, por su parte, se dijeron unas a otras, vamos, eche, echemos suertes para averiguar quién tiene la culpa de nos haya venido este desastre. Así lo hicieron y la suerte recayó en Jonah. Entonces le preguntaron, dinos ahora, ¿Quién tiene la culpa de, nos, de que nos haya venido este desastre? ¿A qué, de, a qué te de, dedicas? ¿De dónde vienes? ¿Cuál es tu país? ¿A qué pueblo perteneces? Soy hebreo y temo al Señor, Dios del cielo, que hizo el mar y la tierra firme, les respondió. Al oír esto, los marineros se ater aterraron aún más y como sabían, como sabían que Jonas huía, huía del Señor, pues él mismo se lo había contado, le dijeron, ¿qué, qué es lo que has, has hecho? Pero el mar se iba enfur enfureciendo más y más. Así que le preguntaron, ¿qué vamos, ¿qué vamos a hacer contigo para que el mar deje de asortarnos? Tómenme y láncenme al mar, y el mar dejará de asortarnos, les respondió. Yo sé bien que por mi culpa se ha desatado sobre ustedes esta terrible tormenta. Sin embargo, en un intento por regresar a la tierra firme, los marineros se pusieron a remar con todas sus fuerzas. Pero como el mar se enfurecía más y más contra, contra ellos, no lo consiguieron. Entonces clamaron al Señor, oh Señor, tú haces lo que quieres. No nos hagas perecer por quitarle la vida a ese hombre. 
ni nos hagas responsables de la muerte de un inocente. Así que tomaron a Jonás y lo lanzaron al agua, y la furia del mar se aplacó. Al ver esto, se apoderó, apoderó de ellos un profundo temor al Señor, a quien le ofrecieron un sacrificio y le hicieron votos.
me first uh, give honor to God, to the Lordship of Christ, to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to say once again, good morning and happy new year. Uh, there's been a lot of moving parts in the service. I want to thank you for your patience as, as you've seen the Lord move in different ways this morning. Um, there is a word from the Lord from the book of Jonah, and I'm so grateful uh, to Karina and to Lisa for reading it. I greet each of you in the name of Jesus this morning. Um, before I go too much further, I, I would be remiss if I did not uh, give uh, proper thanks to uh, Minister Joe Vice. Uh, I know some of you all might have been on travel last week and missed a mighty, mighty word from the Lord from our brother. But did not our hearts burn last week uh, as he preached from the subject, Living in Peace living in peace. If you missed it, you missed it. And so I want to ask you, encourage you to go on uh, the church uh, website, go on Facebook Live, go on Apple Cast, go wherever you get your, your, uh, your podcasts and, and, and find yourself that sermon. Um, I told Joe's brother Isaac, who was here last Sunday, that Joe's got something. And I told him that privately, and I want to tell him that uh, publicly, that the brother has a gift. And we want to give uh, Minister Joe Vice as many opportunities to use that gift here at peace as we possibly can. Let's give him another hand. Uh, well, for the next uh, little while, um, I want to talk to you all um, on um, from the book of Jonah, and, and we'll be in this book, just so you know, for the next uh, four weeks together for the entire month of January. We'll take about a chapter a week. Um, and just work our way each week through the book. Um, for those of you who are more type A personalities and you all were here last week or the week before, or checked your emails and you saw that there was another uh, sermon series that we actually announced that we were going to preach. Amen. Uh, for those of us who pay attention to detail, uh, we were not saying originally that we were going to go into the new year in the book of Jonah. We were originally going to go in doing a uh, series called Beauty for Ashes. Uh, well, uh, stay tuned. Uh, the Beauty for Ashes series is uh, still coming, um, but I think maybe one of the first lessons that we need to know about 2020 is that we not write down our plans in ink, amen, but that we write them down in pencil and be always ready to receive the ways in which the Spirit of God is moving and shifting us um, to respond to God's call. And so as um, I have been praying for you and listening to the Spirit of God to really discern what does God have to say for us um, in this season, um, the Lord led me, uh, and I could not let go of Jonah, and so here I am preaching uh, this series on Jonah. We will have um, one other voice that will come and visit us this week on January the 19th, uh, Reverend Ben McBride will be coming from Oakland, California to preach um, the third week in this series. But other than that, amen, your pastor will be preaching this series each, each Sunday. Is that all right? Amen. In February, for those who would like to plan ahead, um, we don't know the title of it. We don't know if it's for sisters only. Let the sisters speak. I don't know yet. But each Sunday in February, we're going to hear from one black woman or another in this pulpit. Amen. In the month of February. Amen. You can clap your hands. You can clap your hands. If you haven't received the email yet, it's coming. Amen. Um, so let's um, dive in. Um, indeed, as a good Baptist, we always know on every Baptist program there's an asterisk 
And that asterisk always, you look at the bottom, it always says plans are subject to change. Amen. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we, uh, we're trying to uh, be as, as responsible as we can to the voice of the Lord in this season. Uh, we're just believing, as we look at Jonah, that God is going to do some extraordinarily, extraordinary things this year in the life of our ministry, in the life of our church, in the life of the city um, through us. Um, and so um, this, this series is called Wrecked by Grace. Somebody say Wrecked by Grace. We're just believing that God is going to, that this border-crossing, boundary-smashing God will blow our minds with God's favor, with God's mercy, with God's love, and with God's grace. Um, I'm believing that Peace Fellowship Church is going to have so much of a mighty move of the Holy Spirit, such a mighty move of God that there won't be room, even in this cafeteria, to, to receive it. And so the Lord led us to Jonah, um, and as it's already been read for your hearing, I won't read it again, but I just want to posit one question for you this morning. And that question is, what are you running from? What are you running from? Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, you are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You're the first and the last you're the God that got us out of bed this morning and brought us into this place at this time, at this hour, to hear a word from you. So come. Come now and speak a word that would get to the very marrow of the bone. But also, God, come and bring a word that would speak life and bring healing and inspiration and care. Well, Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart found to be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are our strength, and more than that, Lord, you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, peace, I believe that one of the most persistent and time-tested truths of life as we know it is that everybody everywhere is either running to something or we're running from something. I said that I believe that everybody everywhere is either running toward something or they're running from something. Every single person on your row has a past. They have a past, they have a present, whether they're honest with you about it or not. They have a present, they have a past, they have a future. Um, those of us who study any, uh, any kind of literature, whether it be British or African or Asian literature, any kind of written literature, it, it has a beginning, it has a middle. It also, every story also has an end. And I would posit to you that um, we don't know what's always going to happen in between, but every single one of us is either coming from something or running to something. It is the very question that Hagar in Genesis was asked when she was leaving from, ha from Abraham and Sarai's house. The angel of the Lord asked Hagar, where are you coming from? Where are you going? 
This is the question for us that I want to pose uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, some of y'all know that I started the year uh, running a 5K. Uh, I, I got up out of, up, out of my bed, Lord have mercy, on New Year's, <laughs> New Year's Day. And uh, with about 2,000 or 3,000 other brave or foolish souls, we, we got up. Some of us, I ran into uh, uh, Counselor Betrayon White. He told me he, he, he just kept running. He was, he was running the whole night. Amen. You understand what I'm saying. Some of us went to a watch night service. Some of us went to somebody's New Year's Eve party. But uh, we found ourselves running into uh, 2020. And I don't know. There's something about it. Something about running toward a goal that whether you're doing it physically or you're doing it spiritually, there's something about any runners in the building, there's something about pressing toward a, a, a goal, pressing toward a, a finish line that just gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a sense that, you know, we're going to make it if we could just keep putting one foot in front of the other, we're going to get there. And that's a sense that all of us have, you know. I, 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 I believe that all of us are in one way or another running to something. There are many of us that are running toward, uh, I don't know, our goals, our purpose, a sense of destiny, a sense of, of, of what God has for us. And so we've committed in our hearts maybe a resolution or two. Maybe we've committed, maybe we've written them down already. Maybe we don't believe in that anymore. So we just kind of gather in, in, in our prayer closet and pray. Maybe we're afraid now. But when we're honest, the reality is that we're either running from something or we're running to something. Even as we're running to something, so many of us are running from something. Some of us are, as much as we love our mothers, praise the Lord, and they love us. Many of us are so familiar with the helicopter sound that in our own parenting, in our own lives, we're trying to run from, whether you, your mom was present or not, um, you are trying to be a different kind of woman than your mother was. You want to be a different kind of mom. You want to be a different kind of sister. You want to be a different kind of niece. You want to be a different kind of lady than your mom was. Uh, whether your dad was in your life or not, um, so many of us brothers, uh, as much as we love our dads, whether they were present or not, whether we knew our dads or not, the reality is that we, many of us have decided, well, I'm going to be a different type dad, I'm going to be a different type dude than my dad was. I love my dad, but there's some parts of my dad that I'm trying to run away from, maybe some parts of me that I want to run toward. And not only are we running away from our parents or running away from our dad or our mom, but some of us were running away, if we're honest, from us. Maybe it's the seven-year-old that didn't receive the love or the affirmation that he or she should have received. Um, maybe it's the 10-year-old that was traumatized. Um, I don't know what your particular story is. I'm not in the, the, the interstices of your life, but I can tell you that more then one of us in this room has had something to happen in their childhood that they would rather not mention in public. And uh, these are the kind of things that cause us to run away from uh, even ourselves. Um, my dad uh, had a phrase when we began to observe that so many uh, uh, families in our block were moving out of the city and moving to PG, he would always say, you can't run away from yourself. 
And I'll leave that right there. But then there are even those of us who are running away from God. Now, this is tricky because, well, I mean, I don't know what all you all know about God. I don't know what uh, particular tradition is that you grew up in, what kind of church talk you heard. I don't know exactly what all your familiarity is with, with Christian tradition. Um, but there is one of the sort of core foundational beliefs in Christianity that God is what we call omnipresent. Omni is a Greek uh, prefix that comes from a Latin prefix mani, it means all. It means that God is all present everywhere that there could be aware. Somehow God was there, is there, and will be there. God is omnipresent. So the very notion that that you could run away from God is um, odd. It's a little strange. Uh, but yet many of us, we do find ourselves in a position in our lives where God feels distant from us or where if it isn't that God has run away, that we have run away from what God has called us to. We have run away from what God has spoken to us. We have run away from who we know that we should be in God. And it's one of the reasons, I guess, why we read in Psalm 139 at the very beginning of our uh, worship service for those who you all, you all who couldn't make it right at 10 o'clock, we read uh, from Psalm 139 where it simply says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If even if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. Darkness is as light to you. This is a theme that we see throughout our scriptures. Uh, we know that even when um, Adam tries to adam or humanity, us, that's us, when we try to hide from God, God has a sense of humor and God says, Adam, where are you? Of course, God knows where Adam is, but God is asking Adam, God is asking humanity, God is asking us, are you, are you willing or ready to stop playing hide and seek with me? Are you so ashamed of who you were or what you've done that you don't realize that I'm already with you? Are you willing to show yourself to me because I already see you as you are and I am willing to, to clothe your nakedness, to clothe your shame. I saw you when it happened, and I already committed, already purposed in my heart, God said, to cover for you. But God is there with us, and of course, God isn't just, just with, with us in the Psalms, but God is also with us not only in the Hebrew Scripture, but one of my favorite New Testament uh, Scriptures is found in uh, Paul's letter to the book of, to the church at Colossae. And in Colossians, Paul writes uh, to the church in Colossians chapter 1. He simply talks about Jesus in the same way that that, that psalmist is talking about God, and the, the, the creator and the God, the Holy Spirit. But here Paul talks about Jesus and says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Paul says he himself is before all things. Somebody say all. And in him all things. Somebody say all. All things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. 
so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, somebody say all, say all. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself. Come on, say to all, to all things, whether in heaven or in earth, making peace through the blood of the cross. And so even Paul is making this argument for the omnipresence of Christ from the beginning to the end in all circumstances. Somehow God is there. Whether you see God showing up here in the cries of the, uh, of the Israelites in Exodus chapter 3 or whether you hear uh, God showing up to the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts or finding Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans or popping up in a burning bush right on the side of Mount Sinai, somehow God is there. Which is what makes it so laughable, really, that uh, we start our series with the notion that that God speaks to Jonah, and Jonah, the, the text says, I'll simply read it, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Okay, this is the part where uh, readers in the ancient Near East, the, the original readers of this text, would bust out laughing I know y'all ain't busting out laughing, but they would bust out laughing at the idea that anybody can actually run away from God. This is the point in the story where, I mean, this is like, you got to understand what you're reading, okay? So we, um, we're we reading a text that's kind of like, um, you got to look, look at yourself like the original readers are reading this text. So you got to kind of see yourself like... Um, Kind of like you are watching a horror movie, okay, and it's a white girl, and she in the forest. She in the middle of the woods. Everybody knows what's about to happen to that white girl, okay? Y'all ain't never seen a horror movie. Y'all too Christian. Y'all too holy to, see, to, 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 to follow me. Okay, let, then let's go to your other favorite genre, an action film, okay? Everybody know that when a brother that's as dark as me or Josh shows up in an action film, at the beginning, don't get close to that brother. Don't attach no, no feelings to that brother right there because he's fitting to be gone, okay? Um, we, we know how this story goes. Are y'all with me yet? So when the original readers are reading or hearing this story, as soon as they hear this notion that Jonah runs away from God, they understand this is not about to go well for our dear friend Jonah, <laughs> okay? Things don't pan out so well for our, our, our brother, our dear brother Jonah, amen? Are we, are we still together? Um, so they, they kind of bust out laughing. Um, everywhere in this book, as you study it to, with us in your small groups, um, your small group leaders are probably going to point out that there's a lot of irony in the book of Jonah. It's full of God's sense of humor. And I, that's kind of how I want y'all to understand going into this year. I don't want, I want you to understand that, that God understands the plans that you have this year, as I said earlier. But there, there are going to be moments when, when, when you're just going to, you're just going to bust out laughing at, 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 at how you think you about to do something that God already, God is like, really child, really daughter, really son, really loved one. You really just about to do your own thing right now. And so um, I, I guess I, I want for us to, to understand 
the plot line, understand what we're reading, because the first time that we actually see our brother Jonah is uh, in the book of Second uh, Kings, in Second Kings chapter 15, uh, when you have a second, um, take a look at Second uh, Kings chapter 14, excuse me, the Bible says that Jonah prophesied that King Jeroboam II would expand the boundaries of Israel and restore to restore unto Israel that which they had under Solomon's reign. So this is the first time that we ever see the 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 the, the name Jonah. He's a prophet that is ex, that is prophesying that the kingdom of Israel is going to expand back to what they had during King Solomon's reign. So Jonah basically prophesied that God was going to make Israel great again. So if your neighbor was, 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 was not enough, just tap them on the, so, on the shoulder real quick and help them to understand that, 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 that King Jeroboam II, if you look at the history of Israel, um, um, Israel was divided between the northern and southern kingdom, and Israel, um, w- w- the king of Israel at this point is King Jeroboam II, and he, if you look at the records, he's the most powerful king that Israel has had since Solomon. He expands the empire, I did say empire, the kingdom of Israel, and here is Jonah prophesying essentially a narrative of Israeli exceptionalism, a narrative of Israeli colonialism. In the prophet's mouth, there is a word that he says is the word of God, and it is the word of God for the people of God to kill the Assyrians and to take their territory. This is a hard word. This would not be a popular word. Or would it be a popular word? Under King Jeroboam's reign, there was the rich got richer. Under King Jeroboam II's reign, the poor got poorer. And when you take the time to read 2 Kings chapter 14, you will see the refrain that occurs throughout the entire book of 1 and 2 Kings, which is that which, is that, that king did what was evil in the sight of God. What kind of prophet is Jonah? What kind of word is Jonah speaking? What's the cultural milieu in which Jonah is speaking? And who is he speaking to? I would, I, would, I would offer to you that there's a possibility that maybe there are some um, applications to the kind of prophet that Jonah was and the kind of prophet line that we see happening in our world today. Of course, there are, no, there are no extremes between the folks that live on Chesapeake Street Northwest and the folks that live on Chesapeake Street Southeast. I said under Jeroboam's rule, the rich got richer and the poor got poor. And Jonah prophesied that the kingdom of Israel should have more. There's no distinctions, of course, uh, beloved, between the infant mortality rates or the incarceration rates or the life expectancy rates of those who live at 52nd and A Street Southeast versus those that live at 5th and A Southeast. 
these are the kinds of extremes that Jonah was living in. These are the kinds of extreme disparities in equity, disparities of injustice that Jonah is living in and living with, even as we hear the beats of the drum marching toward war in Iran, in Iraq. We've already been in Afghanistan for 19 years. Is it possible, beloved, that Jonah was one of these preachers who couldn't wait to get to the White House and pray a prayer of blessing over every single act of warfare? As long as it was against the Assyrians, as long as it was against those people, as long as it was against the folks that we want to say God hates. Of course, it should not come as any any surprise to you all that the city of Nineveh is the modern-day city of Baghdad, Mosul, to be precise, in Iraq, where our troops are being deployed today. There is something morally wrong with a church that will tell me as a black man or tell you as a black woman or child that if they pick up a nine millimeter to avenge the murder of their daughter, of their son, of their brother, that they are a thug. The church would tell me that if somebody killed my brother and I picked up an AR-47 or AR-15, and went to avenge their murder and shot someone, they would say that I was a super predator. They would say that I was a cold-blooded murderer. But if that same person received a state-issued weapon and went and avenged someone else's murder and killed someone else's brother, someone else's sister, someone else's son, someone else's daughter, We call that person a national hero. If they were one of the 163 homicides that we had last year, they would be a statistic for so many of us. If they come home in a a casket draped with the American flag, we will call them fallen heroes. I believe that this is the kind of mindset that Jonah had. When we look at the end of Jonah, we find that Jonah, we'll we'll take a flash flash forward toward the end of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. Jonah begins to say in Jonah chapter 4 that the reason why he was angry with God is because he knew that God would actually forgive the Ninevites. That God would actually show mercy to the Ninevites. That God would actually demonstrate an act of love to the people that he hated. Where is God calling us? What are we running away from? Beloved, I, I want to, um, as I bring this to a close, I don't want to keep us long. But I believe that even as Jonah's heart was hardened, even as Jonah's heart was a heart that was turned inward toward his own country, just the people that looked like him, thought like him, believed like him, The challenge for us as we look at this new year and this new decade, beloved, is to ask ourselves, who are the people? What are the churches? What are the denominations? What are the kind of Christians that God is calling us to love? Who are the people in your own family? 
with whom you haven't been able to speak for three Thanksgivings since 2016, since the, since the November election 2016, that God is calling you to love, that God is calling you to serve. Who are the people who, because of who they believe or how they believe in God or how they interpret the, the Holy Scriptures, that you now have Jonah's heart? And if God were to call you to preach to them, to speak to them, to encounter them, to hold out the possibility of God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's love that you would run away from. I believe, beloved, that there are some of us that God has indeed spoken to. Some of us that God has indeed made God's word clear to. But we don't believe that everybody is really worthy of God's love. We don't believe that everybody is truly worthy of God's grace. Do we believe that everybody is truly worthy of God's mercy? So who is God calling you to love in 2020? Who is God calling you to forgive? Who is God calling you in this new year approach and to offer the possibility of repentance and change. I got, a good, I got bad news for y'all. That craziness that's happening on Twitter and at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is not letting up anytime soon. Right? But the question is, how are we going to live? The question is, what kind of a people are we going to be? The question is, what kind of light, what's the quality of the light that we will shine? So what is the purpose? What is the assignment? What is the vision that God is calling you to in this new year, in this new decade, that when you think about it honestly, it makes you mad? What is the thing that God is, who are the people that God is calling you to love that you had already made up your mind? Now look, boundaries are real. Trauma is real. Emotional labor is real. But the question for us as followers of Jesus is who we call to love. Jonah ran from the possibility that God would be gracious even to his enemies. And so there are many churches in the, all across the country right now where pastors are standing as I stand before you, and they are saying, this is your year. And that's probably the kind of message that a lot of folk want to hear right now. This is your year. You're you, you going to make it, and it's going to be a great year. But I believe that this is your year to love in a way that you haven't loved before. This might be your year to forgive in a way that you haven't forgiven before. This might be your year. So whether you theologically agree or theologically disagree to create space to hold out the possibility that even Ninevites can change. Even Ninevites can turn back to God. Even folk that live on Chesapeake Street Northwest are as worthy of God's love as we believe the folks on Chesapeake Street Southwest. Amen? 
So I believe that's our call this, this year. I believe that our call in this new decade, in this new year, is to go to precisely the places that we would rather run away from. That's why me, being from Uptown, being from Georgia Avenue, that's why I walk fearlessly into Benning Terrace, Kenilworth, Lincoln Heights, hoods I ain't got no business being in. I'm going to tell you straight up, I do from where I'm from, I ain't got no business being walking where I'm walking. But I, am, I, I have the nerve to believe that the God that we serve is bigger than the street I grew up on. It's bigger than the cell that my brother was in and whether or not he know people that, you know, you got to understand that, Lord, help me in here. Where God is truly calling us is precisely the place that is at the, the threshold of our discomfort. And so whether that means that you're serving as a peace partner, you're trying to figure out how do I serve? How do I show up with direct action? January 9th, there will be a hearing at the Wilson Building. An oversight hearing for the Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement. As you begin to look at your schedule, begin to look at your planner, you're trying to figure out how can I use the power that I've, given, that I've been given? How can I use the influence that I've been given? We need you to show up for that. As we look at the 2020 budget and we begin to pray about, Lord, how can we truly meet the needs of our kids? How can we truly meet the needs of our young adults? How can we truly organize well and mobilize well and partner effectively with our neighbors? How can you show up for that? This story ends with a sacrifice. It begins with Jonah running away from God, but it ends with Jonah being willing to sacrifice himself to calm the raging sea. And I'm so glad that Brother Joe preached that message last, last week about living with peace. Because I believe that so many of us, we're going to have to make some hard choices about how we're going to show up in this new year. We serve a God peace that when God looked at the sea, sea, as Joe told us last week, always represents the, the unknown, the Gentiles. Whenever you see sea, S-E-A in scripture, it always represents the Gentiles. It always represents, it's saying we're about to go into a place where our enemies are. We're about to go into a place where I'd rather not go. We're about to go into a place where, like, I'm not about to be comfortable in this place. That's why we're in the sea. Are you following me? And so Jonah says, if you really want things to calm down, if you really want to see peace, throw me in. I'm diving in. I'm all in. There was something about Jonah that, that even though Jonah was, was fighting and running, Jonah, I don't know. I feel like Jonah still trusted that somehow God was going to do something that, that we're gonna, was going to make things work. I don't know why you, why, I don't know if Jonah had a mental illness or what, but he jumped right into the sea. That's the kind of trust Jonah had. Y'all read in the story earlier that Jonah went down into the ship and went to sleep, just like Jesus did in Mark chapter 4. So I don't know what's going on with Jonah, but what, I, but, but what, I, but what I'm here to, to try to encourage us around is that 
There was a man named Jesus. He looked at the possibility of serious chaos. He looked at you. He looked at me. He saw us in the ship. He saw us as Jonah. And for real, for real, Jesus saw us as the people in the ship calling out to any type of God. When we get in trouble, we call out to any, any and every kind of God. Lord God, if you would, if you would just, if you could just help me charge this Amex, Lord, one more time, Lord, you could just help me. We call out on all types of God when we really get in trouble. Our real God come out then when we get in trouble. Let me call my alumni associate and see if they get me out of here because I know I went to Yale or Harvard or wherever I went to. See if they help me. Our real God come out when we in trouble. And Jesus looked at us in our mess, calling out in the, from the boat to all types of gods. And Jesus is the one who stepped into the sea, willing to say, I'll go for you. I'll calm the sea for you. And so in this season, y'all, at peace, I I want us to follow Jesus. Follow a self-sacrificial God who is willing to make peace. But peace is, as many of us know, anybody who's ever studied Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he tells you that grace is not cheap. He talks about what's called a costly grace. Grace is not cheap. Love is costly. Real love is going to cost you something. And so if, as you see our church beginning to grow, you think that you can sit back and be a spectator and just kind of see how things go, this ain't the time for that. We are dying. Our people are dying. They're dying in our streets in this city, and we're being sent like lambs to the slaughter in other places that we ain't, had, we ain't got nothing to do with. And if you think that this is going to be a, a type of situation where you just come in church and just wave your hand and cry for a minute and go home, this ain't that church. 2020 is a time that's going to require some sacrifice for each and every one of us for the sake of grace, for the sake of peace, for the sake of Christ. If you can receive that, why don't you clap your hands and say amen. Amen. We're going home. I'm trusting that God will do it. This is the God of wonder. I know it's not going to be easy, y'all. I know it's not going to be easy. This year, it's going to require each of us to step out, step out on faith and, and, and trust that God will do the rest. I don't know what that area is in your life. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but you know, you know what God is calling you to do that you'd rather, for real, for real, run in the opposite direction. So think of that person that God is calling you to love, that assignment that God has given you in this new, in this new season, this new year that costly assignment and ask God for strength right now. Ask God for help. God will do it. God will meet you. But it will not come without a sacrifice.
Nothing worth something ever, ever has. 